and you can live in the day. On the show, we're interested in people and getting to know their story. So I think it would be good to begin with, what do you currently have going on, Kent? Well, I've got uh, a lot going on. I have a business that we purchased in January, uh, April of 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, which is a legal technology business. We uh, bought that business in London. And we quickly expanded globally, India, Hong Kong, Brazil, uh, United States, Germany, Dubai. And so we have a legal, I have a legal technology business. And then I am also one of the co-owners of Leighton Orient Football Club, which also keeps me very busy. Uh, and I'm fortunate to have a terrific family, which keeps me busy, especially this time of the year uh, of the holidays. And uh, so, you know, I've got a lot going on, but uh, that's just kind of how, how my life works. It's, it's great to be interested in a lot of things and involved in a lot of things. I like that. Very cool. So yeah. let's rewind now. Where did things begin? Could you tell us about upbringing and how you got to the position you are now? Yeah, so when I was very young, my, my mom and dad, my dad was still in school. So I remember going to my dad's dental school graduation oh, wow. when I was nine. So I, <clears throat> we grew up or I grew up very poor um, because my dad was in school and we didn't have a lot of material things. We lived in a very small house. I have to, uh, two sisters and they are identical twins and they are 15 months younger than me. So um, there were the three of us and my mom and dad and we lived in a very small two bedroom house. In fact, the house that I grew up in fits inside of my garage. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> if you can imagine. Uh, so, uh, you know, then my dad was a dentist and I grew up in a, in a suburb of Dallas, and I have never lived outside of Dallas. Um, went wow. to school. Uh, my mom and dad were very involved in the community, so my mom and dad were really well known, um, which meant that I couldn't get away with much of anything as a child, which was great. I went to school in San Antonio, Texas, uh, so I've actually never lived outside of Texas. Um, that I remember. And, uh, and then after going to school, I moved back to Dallas. And, you know, the thing that I remember about being young is that my parents absolutely loved me and adored me and my sisters, uh, did everything they could to take care of us and teach us and train us and help us. And to this day, my mom and dad are still together. So next year, they will celebrate their 60th wedding anniversary. Awesome. Um, and so I have lived a very, I lived a very charmed life when I was young. And I watched my dad go from being poor to rich. And so I learned how to do that, which was great. And my sisters 
are just phenomenal people. They are just incredible. And I love them so much. And we're lucky. My sisters and I see each other very often because we all live uh, still in Dallas. So very humble upbringings. Yeah, I remember one. I remember one Christmas. I was given eight crayons and three coloring books for Christmas. That's what I got. That's all I got. Eight crayons, three coloring books. It is what it is. Yeah. And then where did your career begin? Where did it all start from? So I, so a lot of people don't know this, but I started out playing professional golf and I played on the PGA tour one year and I was okay. I wasn't great. And then after that, I went into real estate development and I did that for a while, uh, for a couple of years. And then my technology career started in 90, 1987. And so I wrote software. I happened to be good at it. I was lucky. I have the type of mind that understands how to write software. So I wrote software for IBM and I was a contractor at IBM. I was invited to go on a trip to Seattle, Washington. And I ended up meeting for the first time, a guy named Bill Gates, <laughs> that trip. <laughs> and Bill and I had an amazing conversation about technology that still exists at Microsoft today. It's called Olay, object linking and embedding. I know this is getting very technical. Sorry about that. And no, he and I had a, fine. Yeah. And, and he and I had a wonderful conversation about it. And we talked about what we were doing at IBM in order to use the Microsoft operating system at that time. That, this is, I'm talking about Windows 3.1. Yeah. This is 1989. And we had that conversation. And then I went back. And then I went to work as a software developer. I wrote in a language called C++. A lot of people call it C Sharp now. Um, and I wrote my own foundational class library and built some software, some network utility software that took uh, that company that I was working for public. Wow. So <laughs> I did that. And then I was known for technology and then I worked for Microsoft. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of how my career got started. You know, I was a tech, I, I did a bunch of stuff. My mom was very concerned um, that I couldn't keep a job. And uh, so my resume was littered with different projects and different things that I did during As that time. As a contractor, you're being bounced around to... Yeah, yeah, I was a contractor. I lived in the what we now call the gig economy, right? The gig economy is, you know, you have a contract, you have, a, you have work of contract for, say, six months, and then another six months, and then three months, and then maybe nine months. And then, and then I got that, then I landed that solid job, wrote software, the company went public. And then, you know, I went to work for Microsoft. So that's how my career got started. So I wasn't originally a technologist. My degree is exactly what my life is. Business major, computer science minor. It's exactly what my <laughs> career is. Business major, <laughs> computer science minor. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. How did it go from golfing to real estate to software? Because they're quite drastic changes. Yeah, and you would have had so much time to um, golf. 
And to be on the, the tour, PGA, I, yeah, yeah I, I didn't understand that either. So my, so the first time I remember hitting a golf ball, I was probably, it's probably in kindergarten or right before that. So I would have been five or wow. six years old. All right. My dad, um, my dad handed me a cut down seven iron. A cut and he down? Me, yeah, cut down. Um, it's, it means that it's been cut really short. So as opposed to the full length of a golf club, it's cut down to be where a child can swing the golf club. It's about, say, 18 inches long or maybe 24 inches long, as opposed to being however long a normal golf club is. And I remember my dad giving me five plastic golf balls, not real golf balls, but five plastic golf balls. And he asked me if I thought I could hit the golf ball over the fence. And so I, in our backyard, when I was a little kid, four, five, six, seven years old, my goal in life was to hit a golf ball over a fence. (laughs) So I grew up playing golf. Now there is a video uh, that was done about me where they flew to Dallas and they asked me to go hit a golf ball and it's on video. My golf swing is on video. And to this day, I still have an extremely professional looking swing because I was so trained as a child how to hit a golf ball. It's the same thing in football. When you take a child and you give them a little ball and you put it in front of them and they kick it and they bounce it and they pass it and they do all that. Same thing. So in golf, I was really good, really young. And then how I got to real estate is that uh, I, you know, I had friends who, when I left golf, asked me to come and help them with real estate stuff. And then when I left real estate and started technology, I had friends who asked me to come and help them because they just basically offhandedly said, do you know anything about technology? Well, I have a computer science minor. Can you write in C? I said, yes, I can write in C. Then I just went and studied and learned how to write in C, uh, the language C. So that that's, you know, a lot of times what happens in, in life is you decide you want something and then an opportunity shows up and it's it doesn't look like an opportunity, but it is an opportunity. And that's how I got from golf to real estate to, to software. And that's the exact same way that I got to Leighton Orient. Now, I wasn't really looking for a club in England at the time. I had made written offers on clubs in the United States, three different clubs in the United States. And I was really looking for a major league soccer side to be a part of. And I was trying to do that in the United States. And then a friend of mine, who I met when I was trying to do that, introduced me to Nigel Travis. We became very good friends. He talked about Leighton Orient. I knew about Leighton Orient, but I, it wasn't something I was pursuing. And then the rest is history. I'm very lucky. I'll give, give you that. I'm just very lucky. <laughs> Rokas, it sounds like Rokas knows more about Leighton Orient than I uh-huh. do. Right. Um, but how, how did you two, how do you two know each other? So how... How I remember it is, there's a guy named David Sears, and he is a a teacher in a secondary school in in the UK, and Rokas was one of his students. 
Okay. And David asked me to come and speak to the class about things, whatever I guess I wanted to talk about. And so we talked about Leighton Orient. We talked about success. We talked about Microsoft. We talked about life. We talked about love. We talked about, I mean, I'll talk about anything. Sure. And so Rokas was very, he was very nice about asking me, is there a way I can spend more time with you and that we can do that? And I said, absolutely. Come to a Leighton Orient match. Come early. You can walk around with me. You can, you know, he wanted to learn about Leighton Orient and success and, and that sort of thing. So he came to Leighton Orient to a match. We went to the South Stand Bar. We went to all the different locations uh, in the club and we just spent time together. And that's really, we got to know each other because he asked me, are you willing to, are you willing to, are you willing to help, you know, to yeah, spend time was, with me and help me? Was, yes, of course I am. <laughs> What's that, Rokas? Uh, that was an amazing experience. I'm very grateful to you for that, Ken. So for the listeners trying to put the pieces together, uh, just like me, <laughs> Late March <laughs> sure. is a, a football. Uh, it's a UK uh, football uh, or soccer team. Football, yeah. <laughs> it's called, it, wait, so... Only, from, only, I only call it soccer when I'm in the United States. Everywhere else in the world, it's football, sir. <laughs> I guess we have listeners from all over the world. So we yeah, I, use, I understand. We have to no use problem. both words. No problem. Soccer, football. <laughs> no problem. UK football. That is Correct. amazing. Um, okay, so how did... Wait, so a guy from Dallas who's never Correct. been outside of... Or lived outside of Dallas... Correct. ...is a majority owner of a UK football team. Correct. And <laughs> so yeah, it makes no sense. Right? It makes no sense. <laughs> um, and and that may be the most important thing you know about my life. It absolutely <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> so that's over here. Okay, so I'm gonna try to chunk some things into pieces real quick before we sure. move on. Sure. All right, so I'm gonna put Leighton Orient over here. Um yeah. All right. So at any point, um, so I'm kind of, I'll be honest, I'm very curious now in the, um, in the Kent Teague multimillionaire. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about money for a second okay. um, and how that makes people feel. So at any point in the very beginning in your, cause you have a humble upbringing, uh-huh. I mean, small town, like never lived outside right. of Dallas. Um, right. So what did you want? It doesn't sound like you started in technology. You didn't do it. Like this is before the dot-com happened. Maybe. Yes. So what did you want as you were doing this? You were purely driven by interest or did you know that uh, someone who can write uh, C, you know, at this time could eventually write the, like the future. I don't think I knew that at the time that what I was doing was changing the future. I'm not sure I knew that when I was writing software or even when I was working at Microsoft. I think the thing that I was taught to think about and focus on is making a contribution. And so 
software seemed to be a way that I could make a significant contribution. So there's two parts to contribution. One part is uh, kind of the, the amount of contribution that you make based on a single act. And then the second part is the number of people that can be impacted or the scale to which that contribution can be taken. Mm. So when I tell my wife, you know, that I love her, I'm obviously making a contribution, but it's only to her. So I, it's very hard for me to scale telling people that I love them, right? But software allows you to scale the number of people and the number of machines or the number, you know, the number of things that you can impact. So I think I saw that software was a way for me to scale, but I also thought that business would be a way for me to scale. Oh. So, you know, from a money perspective, just, and, and <laughs> I've had this conversation with Rokas a couple of times. What happened for me was a person told me, write down what you want, think about what you want, rewrite what you want every day, and you'll be amazed at what happens. Yeah. And they were right. Because I started writing down in my mid-20s that I wanted to be the owner of a professional sports franchise. Wow. And so I wrote that down. Did I have the ability to do that at that time? No. Did I know how I was going to accomplish that? No. But I wrote it down because it was something that I wanted. I wanted, you know, I, I've, I've written down a lot of things that I didn't achieve. So as an example, when I was about 15 or 16, I wrote down that I wanted to be a millionaire before I was 30. I failed at that. I was not a millionaire before I was 30. I was 34. So, you know, it, it, it and, and, and so, perfect, but you're right. So just, so just because you write it down and you think about it and you look at it and you figure, you try to figure it out, you don't, it doesn't always work. I'm not saying it always works, but it makes a huge difference. And so for me in my life, I think one of the things that really helped me that I encourage kids, people, uh, is to write down what you want. Now, <laughs> I know we're doing this on a podcast, so they can't see it, but here's my black bag that I carry with me everywhere I go. Inside this black bag, here's a notebook. Inside the notebook are pages of all the stuff that I have written down that I oh, still wow. want to accomplish. Wow. That I look at and read every day. Wow. And I think that's what makes my life extremely interesting, mm -hmm. extremely successful, and for most people, and extremely, you know, it's just, it's a great, I just live a fantastic life because I've decided these are the things I want and my mind can figure out, all of us, all of our minds can figure out how to get us what we want. If we're really focused on what we want and on contribution, because the way that I get what I want is to make sure that other people get what they want. Mm -hmm. So it's intention with contribution. I, I like that a lot. That Correct. They're very well said, by the way. Very well said. Well, intention I mean, with contribution. Yeah, the way you said it. 
And that's beautiful. I mean, uh, that takes the, th that makes it not only meaningful, but purposeful. Uh, because I, I, yes, I mean, I, I practice the same things, but somewhere along the lines of, of my own intention practice came along, you know, you're getting what you want, but what, what, what like really matters, what really makes you whole. And it's, it's not just getting what you want. It, it's getting what you want so that you can help other people get what they want. And I think I learned that first from uh, Stephen Covey. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo um, I love, I love Stephen Covey. You know, Stephen Covey talks about how he doesn't really write self-help books. He writes wisdom literature. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. Now, I mean, my mind as a mystic is kind of curious to know if you look at life or reality or existence and the mind, do you look at anything deeper than what's in front of you and intention and willpower? Um, or do you know, where, where does your mind ever go? There is, there is a fabric that we cannot see, that we currently have no control over and very little understanding of that binds everything together in the universe. And I think about the fabric, I call it the fabric. Um, you know, the physicists have different words for it. Um, and it's this, it's this idea that uh, Chopra talks a lot about the fabric, right? And so I think I try to spend time thinking very deeply about the fabric and it is my responsibility to somehow improve what is being manifest in the fabric. So this is where contribution is so important um, because contribution makes you're not only contributing, but you're making a difference. And so my belief is that there are times when I tell my wife that I love her, that everything in the universe knows that I love it also. And, I, and I'm sorry to kind of like go, you kind of want to, I think you kind of want to go down this route. It's, it's a, it'll be a, it's, it's kind of a strange route for some people because they'll be like, what the f are you? Well, that's what our show fabric and well, right, no, but our but, show don't apologize. Uh, our okay. show goes all over, and <laughs> okay. um, we'll we'll try to navigate it right. But but yeah, but I think I think you you know when you use the word mystic, right? So when I I what I'm what I'm letting you know is is that I'm very I'm very in tune with manifestation. I'm very in tune with energy. I'm very in tune with positive energy versus negative energy and money is energy. Love is energy. Emotion is energy. Thought is energy. And life to me is not about money. It's about energy. It's about combinations of energy. It's about manifestation. My role in life is to manifest things that make a difference in other people's lives. Wow. I love that's that. my I love job. That. I mean, that's that my job. That's my real, that's my real job. It yeah. now 
I can't be, I can't be perfectly unselfish because I'm human. But what I try to do is be only 49% selfish and maybe just 51% unselfish or other oriented, you might call it. I try to move my other orientation percentage to as high a number as I possibly can on a consistent basis. Spoken like a true majority uh, stakeholder. <laughs> <laughs> Rokas, did, did, uh, jump in here. Do you want, do you have anything? I had, yeah, a few questions, but they've been answered indirectly. Like what impact you want to have on the world? Is there anything you'd add to that, Ken? Yeah, the only, the only impact that I want to have on the world, and this just seems so simple, is that when people think of me, either now or in the future, they feel good about what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. That's the impact I want. And there are a myriad of different ways that I can interact with people and with the universe or life. There are a myriad of ways in which I can interact that will cause people to either have a neutral remembrance of me, a positive remembrance of me, or a negative remembrance of me. And it doesn't mean that they are, you know, always in love with me or always like me, but the, and I don't even really think about legacy because I don't, I don't think legacy is going to matter too much. Uh, like a global legacy for me, the legacy that I want is that when people think about me randomly or on purpose, when they think of me, they think, huh, I feel good when I think about him. Mm -hmm. Are you ever, we don't have a lot of time, but, um, yeah, no, I know. Let me try to put more pieces together. Uh, sure. Are you ever going to live outside of Dallas? <laughs> no. No, uh, and the reason is, is that this world allows me to travel anytime I want, anywhere I want, um, and I can go, I mean, in the last, well, I've been fortunate enough to travel all over the world, interact with people all over the world. We have a business that allows me to interact with a, a global community uh, every single day, and so you know, where I live is somewhat different than where I am, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, I enjoy travel and the, the pandemic has really <laughs> cut into my lifestyle, so to speak. So, sure. you know, I'll be, I'll be in London in December. I'm in San Francisco next week. I'll be in Brazil. I'll be in you know, Atlanta, I'll be in, you know, I'm, I'm all over the world all of the time. So you know, for me, for me, there's a place where I live and then there's a place where I am. Mm -hmm. No, I like that. Well, in your, I mean, in your timeline, which we didn't have a lot of time to really get into specifics, we just covered right. the major things, but what, what about real estate really did it for you? What was like, the turning point in real estate 
what made that like really a special part of your timeline? Real estate for me was something I could drive by and know we had made together. Mm -hmm. So I was in commercial real estate. And so it was buildings that we built and it was projects that we completed. So it was something physical. I knew I could see that I had accomplished. And in reality, that's the exact same thing that happened to me at Microsoft. Still to this day, what I did at Microsoft, I cannot go an entire day without seeing what I did. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. In your usage so, of, of devices. Yeah, because uh, at Microsoft, I was in charge of all retail worldwide. Okay. So that's all brick and mortar retail. And to this day, when I go into a retailer or get around a point of sale system, I know that that was me and my group that made that happen. Okay. So you, you did commercial real estate only. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you currently work in technology still. Mm -hmm. What, what, mm -hmm. what company is it? It's called lineal uh, and it's uh, legal, legal technology technology for lawyers and chief legal officers of large corporations. Okay. And are you one of, are you like, do you hope to keep working? Do you have the mentality of like retirement is dangerous? It's not a good idea. Uh, I've tried retiring three times. I don't <laughs> think it's, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's dangerous. I just think it's boring. Um, and, and I, and it's very difficult to contribute at a high level when you're retired. Yeah. And I, and I, I get bored and I want that feeling of contribution and making a difference and being involved in other people's lives in mentoring in, uh, you know, doing things that make a difference in the customers' lives, the employees' lives, the, you know, our partners' lives, the vendors' lives. Um, it's, it's very difficult for me to be retired, sit, read books, play golf, and think that I'm doing anything of value. Right, right. Did, so, yeah. So, there, so I, may, I may have another retirement party, but I'm not sure that means I'm going to retire. <laughs> um, at any point in the journey did you feel like um you were being stretched thin and like it was going to come crashing down and oh i hope so oh i hope so i hope so i hope so i hope that i hope that happens monday you see the, you see the the uh the thing about that is is that another thing that i love is growth so I hope that the business gets stretched on Monday. I hope that the executives get stretched on Monday. I hope the employees get stretched on Monday. I hope they stretch me crazy like on Monday or maybe even this afternoon, they'll send me some emails and stretch me out a little bit. And I hope that Leighton Orient stretches me out like it did yesterday when we drew in the 90th minute. Um, you know, I didn't break a monitor yesterday, but thought about it. Uh, so it's, you know, I like being stretched. I think that's a good thing. I think growth, 
because that means that in the future, I'll have additional capacity for contribution and, and making a difference. So yeah, stretch me out, babe. Let's go. Let's like get after it. it. I like you know? it. I like it. That's I don't it. look at stress like it's a, I don't look at stress like it's a bad thing. I look at stress like it's a great thing. Yeah. Because yeah. it's good because it's gonna make it's gonna make me better. It's gonna make me different. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what the this podcast really um that's what defines this podcast. That's kind of our mission. Mm -hmm. Uh I don't, I mean, I go as far as to say, I don't really believe in uh, stress on a human or on a mind. I believe in stress as a, as a physical uh, load. Uh -huh. um, but on the mind, I believe that it's, 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 it's not correctly defined. And we think stress is one thing, but it's not, it's not what, what most people think it is. It's, um, it's just friction on, on, on like pushing up against the next wall you're opening or, or the next door. It's, it's a, it's a, a force of, of moving forward. And most people try to avoid it. But um, in fact, the, 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 the irony is we actually need to be going towards it. And it's scary. Yeah. I, I think that stress is completely self-inflicted as a response to your own fearful thoughts. Yeah. That's what stress is to me. When I feel stressed, I realize that I am reacting, not responding. I am reacting to my own fearful thoughts. Either I'm not enough or I'm not good enough or whatever the fear is. And so to me, when people say you're stressing me out, I kind of giggle at them. And I just think in my mind, I've done something that caused them to have fearful thoughts and their reaction to their fearful thoughts is this thing called nervous system stress. Because I could, I could say something to them and as opposed to them saying I'm stressed, they could say I'm super excited. Same, same amount of electrical energy in their body, stress or excitement. But the difference is the perception of what that energy means. One time they call it stress. One time they call it excitement. Yeah. One time I call it stress. One time I call it excitement. Same energy, different cause. Cause, my own thoughts. Not the outside world. Not really the outside world. I guess if someone puts, comes and puts a gun in my face and threatens to pull the trigger, maybe I should be stressed. Maybe I should be, right? That might be a time to be stressed. But in the normal course of my experience, stress is my own problem, not somebody else's cause. Um, I understand we have, we have, this is our time limit. Yeah, I've got, I've got other things I need to go take care of. Okay. Thank and you very my, much. My nine month time, old is. I don't know if you can hear the nine-month-old crying in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, anytime you guys want to have another conversation, be happy to do it. Uh, I would love yeah, to have a part two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We'd look, look, happy, happy to do it. Happy right. to do it. Yeah, we yeah. usually have long form, and it takes me a while to get started, but uh... no problem, no problem. Happy to do it. Happy to okay. do it. It's always so... a pleasure. And Rokas just. Great seeing you again. 
excited to see how successful you've become and and what you've become. So congratulations and and just keep at it, man. You'll you're gonna do great things, no doubt about it. I'm he's gonna he's puff. like the next robotic superstar crypto <laughs> master i always tell people i'm so excited that i get to like work with roca no doubt no doubt i've enjoyed our time together thank you i've got to run thank you kent okay thank Goodbye. you very much good seeing you